0: Let us now read together from Acts, chapter 1, verses 1 through 11. Again, this is God's precious word to us. The former account I made, O Theophilus, of all that Jesus began both to do and teach, until the day in which he was taken up, after he, through the Holy Spirit, had given commandments to the apostles whom he had chosen, to whom he also presented himself alive after his suffering by many infallible proofs, being seen by them during forty days and speaking of the things pertaining to the kingdom of God. And being assembled together with them, he commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which, he said, you have heard from me. For John, truly baptized with water, And you shall be my witnesses to me in Jerusalem, and in all Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Now when he had spoken these things, while they watched, he was taken up, and a cloud received him out of their sight. And while they looked steadfastly toward heaven as he went up, behold, two men stood by them in white apparel, who also said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand gazing up into heaven? This same Jesus who was taken up from you into heaven will so come in like manner as you saw him go into heaven. And let us now read together what we confess in the Heidelberg Catechism in Lord's Day 18. There we find a summary of God's word about the ascension as follows. What do you mean by saying he ascended into heaven? That Christ, while his disciples watched, was taken up from the earth into heaven and remains there on our behalf until he comes again to judge the living and the dead. But isn't Christ with us until the end of the world as he promised us? Christ is true man and true God. In his human nature, Christ is not now on earth but in his divinity, majesty, grace, and spirit he is never absent from us. If his humanity is not present wherever his divinity is, then aren't the two natures of Christ separated from each other? Certainly not. Since divinity is not limited and is present everywhere, it is evident that Christ's divinity is surely beyond the bounds of the humanity that has been taken on but at the same time, his divinity is in and remains personally united with to his humanity. How does Christ's ascension to heaven benefit us? First, he is our advocate in heaven in the presence of his Father. Second, we have our own flesh in heaven as a sure pledge that Christ our head will also take us, his members, up to himself. Thirty sends his spirit to us on earth as a corresponding pledge. By the Spirit's power, we seek not earthly things, but the things above where Christ is, sitting at God's right hand. Beloved congregation, brothers and sisters, when we think of the ascension of the Lord Jesus, then we think of him of going through space. We think of him of being lifted up from the earth somewhat like a spaceship. And as he goes through the clouds, going higher and higher, until he ends up in heaven where he dwells. And he doesn't need a rocket or a space suit to be able to do that. For he is God. But is that what happened? Is that the image we should have about the ascension? Well, brothers and sisters, the truth is that we don't know. The disciples could only see him go up for a few moments. For as we read in Acts 1, a cloud hid him from their sight. The disciples kept looking intently into the sky, but they couldn't see anything anymore. And Jesus was hidden behind that cloud. And perhaps you think it is too bad that that Cloud appeared just at that time and that the disciples could not see him go higher and higher just like we would be able to do when a spaceship is launched. And we can watch that spaceship slowly disappear from sight. But have you ever thought about the purpose of that cloud? Do you think that that cloud came there just by chance? Just as the Lord Jesus was ascending. Was that cloud just an ordinary cloud, just like all the other clouds in the sky? No doubt that cloud would have looked like any other cloud. And yet, there is something very special about that cloud that appeared at the time of the ascension. As you will see, that cloud assures us of God's presence here on earth. And that's also the theme for this afternoon's worship service. We will see that the cloud of the ascension guarantees God's presence. And we will see in the first place that Jesus Christ is hidden. And in the second place that yet he is present. First that he is hidden. The catechism says that Christ before the eyes of his disciples was taken up from the earth into heaven. And that is clearly scriptural. We just read that ourselves in Acts 1. There are two other places in scripture where the ascension is described. In Mark 16 verse 19 we read so then after the Lord had spoken to them he was received up into heaven and sat down at the right hand of God. And in Luke 24 verse 50 and following we read he lifted up his hands and blessed them And now it came to pass while he blessed them that he was parted from them and carried up into heaven. These are very sober renditions. No further details were were given. The Lord did not deem it necessary for us to know exactly what took place at the time of the ascension. Whatever happened behind that cloud or in that cloud is secret. And it is not possible for us to know that at this time either. And because of sin, heaven and earth are separated from one another right now. And we are currently limited in our understanding. But it is important for us to know that Christ rose bodily into heaven. And that the Father in heaven welcomed Jesus' body and all with open arms. This time he did not welcome him like the father in the parable who welcomed the lost son because he had repented and had come into better insight. No, the father in heaven welcomed his son because his task on earth was done. There was great rejoicing in heaven. The Lord Jesus has come home. He is once again with his father in heaven. Now at the time of the ascension, the disciples did not quite understand the mission of Jesus. At first they were disappointed when he was nailed to a cross and subsequently put into a grave. They thought that Jesus was going to establish God's kingdom here on earth, as we also saw this morning. But now he is gone. They thought that was the end. Was his mission a failure? Did they believe in him for nothing? And did... They didn't quite know what to make of it all. But then Jesus rose from the dead. For forty days he ate with them and drank with them and spoke with them. It was just like before, or perhaps even better than before. He had conquered death. And then they had hope again. But they were still confused. And that is clear from what they said just before his ascension. For they asked him, Lord, Will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? The disciples still had an earthly perspective. They were still looking for an earthly king. And then suddenly Jesus was taken away from them again. He ascends into heaven. And no doubt at this point they are even more confused. The one moment he is with them and then suddenly he is gone again. What was that all about? After all, how can he now go away? Well, they don't fully understand this until Pentecost. It is then that they recall the words of Jesus. The words of the Lord Jesus that he spoke to them, for example, as recorded in John 14, where he said, you have heard me say to you, I am going away and coming back to you. If you loved me, you would rejoice because I said I'm going to the Father, for my Father is greater than I. And now I've told you before it comes, that when it does come to pass, you may believe. But they can't quite make sense of it all yet. However, the cloud should have been a clue to them. The appearance of a cloud in salvation events has a special significance regarding the presence of God. Let me give you some examples. When the people of Israel came into the desert, they were like lost sheep, exposed to all kinds of dangers. It was unfamiliar territory. They were vulnerable. But then what does the Lord God do? Well, we read in Exodus 13 verse 21 that the Lord went before them by day in a pillar of cloud. To lead the way. And by night in a pillar of fire. To give them light. So as to go by day and night. So that cloud was always present. When they saw that cloud going ahead of them. They knew that the Lord God was with them. And that he was guiding them. They didn't have to be afraid. The cloud was a sure sign of God's presence. We also read about a cloud on Mount Sinai in Exodus 19. The Lord God had commanded Moses to come up to the mountain so that he could speak to him. And then God said to Moses, Behold, I come to you in the thick cloud, that the people may hear when I speak with you and believe you forever. And further, we read in verse 18, Mount Sinai was completely in smoke because the Lord Descended upon it in fire. Its smoke ascended like the smoke of a furnace. And the whole mountain quaked greatly. The almighty God. The creator of heaven and earth. Made his presence known here on earth. In the cloud. Because of our sins. We cannot see him. The Israelites couldn't either. But they know that he is there. He's in the cloud. He is that Almighty God who hides in the cloud and who makes a covenant with His people. Why? Because He wants to show how much He cares about them and how dearly He loves to be near them in spite of their sins. Later on, the Lord God also wants to make His presence known in the cloud above the tabernacle of the tent of meeting. You can read about it in Exodus 40. First, he gives all kinds of instructions about exactly how the tabernacle had to be constructed and what it had to contain. And then, once that work is done, the tabernacle is erected. And then the high point is reached when the Lord God made his presence known in the cloud. Listen to what it says in Exodus 40, verse 34. The following, the cloud covered the tabernacle of meeting and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. And Moses was not able to enter the tabernacle of meeting because the cloud rested above it and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. God is within that cloud and therefore his glory is also present. We also read from Matthew 17. There also the cloud of God's presence is mentioned. The Lord Jesus took Peter, James, and John, the brother of James, with him on a high mountain. And on that mountain, Jesus was transfigured before them. His face shone like the sun. Suddenly, Moses and Elijah appear and talk with Jesus. And as they talked together, a bright cloud overshadowed them. And a voice from the cloud was heard. It's the voice of God. He says, This is my beloved son, with whom I am well pleased. Listen to him. As they hear the voice of God, the disciples become terrified, and they fall face down to the ground. But they realize that God is among them. However... They do not have to be afraid. Jesus is still with them. The cloud is gone and Elijah and Moses are gone. But Jesus is still there. Now, same thing happened on Ascension Day. Then they also see the cloud. But Jesus disappears into that cloud. He is no longer among them. As I said... We don't know exactly what happened in that cloud, but we do know that at that moment he took all the glory that he had with his Father in heaven before he descended. And it is impossible for man to see God in all his glory in our sinful state. As the scriptures say, it is impossible to see God and live. Yet, that doesn't mean that he is now no longer with us. The cloud is the cloud of God's presence. That cloud indicates that God is with us, even right now. That's what the ascension is all about. Although Jesus rose into heaven, he is still among us. He is hidden behind the cloud, yet he's very nearby. And that's exactly what we confess in the Heidelberg Catechism. We read there in answer 47 that with respect to his human nature, he is no longer on earth. But with respect to his divinity, majesty, grace, and spirit, he is never absent from us. And that is precisely what the Lord Jesus promised to his disciples before he ascended into heaven. He told them that even though he is going away, he nevertheless will still be coming back to them. These were also the last words that he spoke to his disciples as we read in Matthew 28. As he ascended on high with his arms outstretched in a blessing, he said, Behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. The catechism says, first of all, that he is among us with respect to his divinity. It's essential that we confess that correctly. Question and answer 47 and 48 were written primarily with the Lutherans in mind. They confessed something different. According to them, Jesus at the time of his ascension assumed defined characteristics with respect to his human nature. They say that at that time his human nature became divine. At that time, he no longer had the same human nature as we have. His human nature and his divine nature became fused. They had to come to that formulation because of their doctrine regarding the Lord's Supper. Although they denied the Roman Catholic formulation that the bread and the wine changed into the body and blood of Christ, they nonetheless... Still combine Christ's human nature with his divine nature. They say that Christ is physically present in the bread and the wine. According to them, you cannot separate his divine nature from his human nature. They are always together everywhere. Although the bread remains bread and the wine remains wine, nevertheless, they say Christ is physically present. Just like fire is present in a wrought red-hot iron, so Christ is present in the elements of the Lord's Supper. Our catechism denies that. Jesus remains what he was, a real human being. And that's wonderful. For what else does the catechism teach us? We read in answer 49 that because Christ is bodily in heaven... We have our flesh in heaven. That human flesh is now present in heaven as a sure pledge that we will also be taken up to him, up to heaven. For the Lord Jesus fulfilled the law in a human body. And that human body that is now in heaven is proof that our sins have been paid for. It is a guarantee that Christ has done everything for us that God required from us because of our sins. Brothers and sisters, God is with us. He is present right now, right here. He is our Emmanuel. Oh sure, you cannot see him. But that doesn't mean that he is not here. And that's why he gave you his word. God is speaking to you through his word. Do you hear his voice? Do you feel his presence? He speaks to me. He speaks in the scriptures. It is that same voice that spoke in the cloud on Mount Sinai and that spoke on the cloud on the mountain of transfiguration. God's presence is real through faith. You know that that is true. It also says that he is with us with respect to his majesty. When we think of the majesty of God, then we think of God's royal presence. He is king over all creation. We could just sing about that. He rules. Oh sure, at present the prince of this world is still Satan. However, Satan is now on a leash. He can only do so much, and no less. He is totally within the power of God. The disciples wanted to have an earthly kingdom established. That's not why the Lord Jesus came. He came to establish God's rule over all things, over the whole world. The Lord Jesus Christ is now seated on his throne at the Father's right hand. He is king. And he provides for those who belong to his kingdom, to his obedient citizens. When we think of God's majesty, we can also think of his glory. A king. Lives in an opulent palace. He is surrounded by beautiful things. He has beautiful clothes that make him stand out. He rides in a glittering carriage. That's what an earthy king is like. But now think about God as king. We cannot even begin to imagine the glory and the majesty that surrounds him and that belongs to him. It is absolutely Magnificent. Oh sure, right now it is still mostly hidden behind the clouds. But nevertheless, we can have a glimpse of his glory now already. Look at creation all around you. Isn't it beautiful? It's spring. We see already flowers coming. We see the leaves on the trees. We see how God replenishes the earth. We see the beauty of creation you ever take time out to enjoy nature? When you do that, then you see the glory of God everywhere. And that is only an inkling of the glory that we will experience in the life hereafter. God gives us a glimpse of His glory now so that we can have that vision of God on His throne. Can you imagine how beautiful that will be? No sin, nothing affected by sin. Absolute beauty. The catechism also tells us that with respect to his grace, he is never absent from us. The word grace is a very rich theological term. God's grace has to do with his mercy and compassion. It has to do with his love and kindness. And that is why his face shines upon us. He looks favorably favorably upon us in spite of our sins. And that grace is shown especially through the Lord Jesus Christ who died for our sins, but who rose again on the third day and who then ascended into heaven, but who never left us alone. We can experience God's grace every day. The very fact that you and I are alive is due to God's grace. You can can experience God's grace whenever you are depressed or melancholy or full of despair you can exp- you can experience god's grace in the midst of the troubles that you may encounter here on the, in this world because of sin and the effects of sin god's grace is always with you and that grace is with you only because of the ascension of the lord jesus christ because god hands out his gifts to you at me from there, And then finally the catechism says that he is with us always with regard to his spirit. In John 16, Jesus said to his disciples that he is going to go to him who sent him. And he says to them, but because I have said these things to you, sorrow has filled your heart. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth, it is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. The word here used for helper is the Greek word paraclete. It's hard to translate. Often the word is also rendered as comforter or counselor. In answer 49, God's spirit is referred to as a counter pledge or as a corresponding pledge as your translation has it. As it says in the previous Lord's Day, the body of the Lord Jesus Christ is the pledge. It is the pledge that God will always prepare a place for us. He has his flesh in heaven as a guarantee that God will also allow us to come to where he is. The doors stand wide open, not only for the Lord Jesus, but also for all those who belong to him. That pledge is like a wedding ring. The husband gives something of himself to his wife and the wife to her husband to indicate that the promises that they make on their wedding day are genuine. Well, we have our flesh in heaven. That's something that belongs to us. The flesh is now with God in heaven. But now... God also sends us something as a pledge. He sends us his Holy Spirit. God's Spirit may now dwell in us bodily because we are now temples of the Holy Spirit. And it is because of God's Spirit in you and me that we are here in this church building right now. And it is because of God's Spirit that you know That you are a child of God. That's God's witness in your heart. And that Holy Spirit of God was given to you only because Jesus ascended into heaven. After his task was done. After he died for the forgiveness of our sins. If he did not take our flesh with him into heaven, he would not have been able to send us his spirit And without God's Holy Spirit, the works of the Lord Jesus Christ would not be able to be imputed to us, would not be able to be applied to us. Brothers and sisters, there is a cloud still between God and us right now. There are many things that we can't see and don't know. But there are a lot of things that we do know. We know that God is with us always. Doesn't that make you glad? Makes me glad. Don't doubt. Think about that every time you see a cloud. Be reminded of God's presence. And give thanks to God for being near to you. Give thanks in word and deed. And praise his name. Amen.